So we took a break last week from our Tove series. We have been talking about a church called Tove, about what does it mean to have a culture of goodness. Tove in Hebrew means good. Um, and so we have been in a series as we work our way through this book called A Church Called Tove by Scott McKnight and Laura Berenger. Last week, we did something a little different. The nice, nice thing about our church is that um, we got some feedback in the winter of some fun things to do. So last week, we had part of our traditional worship service, and then we came to a point of reflection. Um, we talked about the term Ebenezer, which means stone of remembrance, and we took an Ebenezer walk, um, which was not an old man walk, which poor old men named Ebenezer get classified, but um, we took a, a walk of remembrance, remembering how God has been with us, how he continues to be with us, um, his presence, his goodness, the ways that we saw him show up, and um, there's rocks downstairs if you want to take a rock um, and uh, just remember too for you, what is your stone of remembrance for this year, and have a rock as a tangible reminder of how God has been with you this year. The rocks are downstairs, they are free, take away. We don't need a lot of rocks in our church, that's for sure. Um, so pray with me as we start this morning. Oh God, we thank and praise you for your love. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for being with us and um, promising us the Holy Spirit would come after you went back to the Father. And the Holy Spirit guides us into truth. And so Holy Spirit, we thank you that as we keep our eyes on you, as we anchor in into you and to not... Um, passing passing truths or what is popular or um, fashionable in the moment, we will always land in the right spot with you. And so, Lord, I pray that as we seek you, we would seek you with all of our hearts, Lord, that we would not seek our own intentions or what we think is true. And God, that we would tell the truth. We would practice honesty and truthfulness um, as a church body. Um, and we pray, Lord, for churches that have had hurts or for people that have been hurt by um, churches because they have gone off course or have not been um, stayed on you and your truth. And so, Lord, I just pray for just the churches in our world, Lord, that we would um, shine brightly and, and speak truth in wonderful, loving ways. And, Lord, that you would help, help us to live in the ways that you call us to live and to embody you. Thank you for everybody here. And we pray for our children also. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we are talking about Tove Church, a church of goodness, and a, a Tove Church tells the truth, and I have in, in brackets, about itself too. Um, one thing that's really wonderful about children is children have no filter. Children just say it like it is. Um, I remember when I was a youth pastor a long time ago, and I was pregnant, and <laughs> one of the kids came up to me. I'll never forget this. It was really quite a moment. And said, Pastor Carrie, we're wondering something. Are you, are you pregnant or are you awkwardly fat? <laughs> and I just sat there. I, I'm like, I'm pregnant. I'm seven months pregnant. This is not awkwardly fat. You know, it was just this moment of like, and I'm like, don't ever ask anybody that again either. <laughs> Where's your mother? 
Um, you know, but children will just come up and, and ask these raw, honest questions, um, and they will they will call it like it is. If something's ugly, they say it's ugly. If it's fat, well, it's fat. Um, you know, they don't have that filter that says, "Oh, maybe I should or shouldn't see it." But that that honest truth is so refreshing. Obviously, we as we get older, we learn to like you know feel out things like wondering if someone's pregnant or not pregnant or old or not old. Um, and say that in ways of finesse and you, know, you don't destroy somebody. Thankfully, I was like, walk away from like, thank God I'm not awkwardly fat, whatever that would be, and I am preg- pregnant, so there we go. Um, but as, as, a tr- as churches to churches, you know, we represent Jesus. We say we represent Jesus, and so it also means that as Christians, we are called to speak truth and to embody truth because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And as we practice living like he does and practice that goodness, it's important that we, that we practice what we preach. Um, and it's, I think this, this book really names some hard things about where churches have gone off course and churches have, um, there's been you know, sin that has happened, people have been hurt, and instead of churches letting the truth come to light, they hide it. Um, and so this book calls out a lot of really hard things. Um, and so as I've, I've sat in that, I, I just keep feeling so grateful for the place that New City is in and the, and the, the people that are here because I don't see that here. Um, so this book is not necessarily a, a book of um, intervention necessarily for us as a church. It's, it's, a, it's a reminder of like, where are we going, staying on course, and learning, unfortunately, from some things that have been hard. Um, if you want to read this book, I highly recommend it. And, and I think also for people that have been wounded by church, it is a book that um, can promote recovery, definitely. I keep thinking about something that comes up over and over again in my work as a therapist, and it's um, honesty and truth. Um, so often people, especially in the field of um, substance use recovery that I work in, the one area that people say they want to work on or they want to restore in their life is honesty and trust honesty with themselves and honesty with their loved ones and and the people that are in their lives because they realize because of their mental health and substance abuse they've gone off course and and the the tracks that they were on they have gotten off and they know that to get back on they have to start practicing honesty and truthfulness because the the beautiful outcome of honesty and truthfulness is trust and when when trust is restored we flourish Um, we live in the light we don't live in shame and we can live in forgiveness and freedom. Um, I read this in, in a commentary this week, um, and it, it, it makes me also just understand why we don't come to truth and honesty, and it's because of the worst F word in the world, fear, not that other one. I heard that back there. The worst F word is fear. Fear is what keeps us from God and from each other. And J.A. Hadfield said this, If fear were abolished from modern life, the work of the psychotherapist would be nearly gone. And it's true. I totally agree with that. I wouldn't have a job in that realm. I'd still have a job in the church, but I wouldn't have in the other one. He says, It was not, it was not without cause that the master of the soul so often reiterated, Fear not. Be not afraid. Be not anxious. John McMurray, the philosopher, argues that many are hag-ridden by fear, by the feeling of being alone in the hostile world, and or feeling that something awful is going to happen. And so fear keeps us from telling the truth 
keeps us from honesty and keeps us from being able to trust. And so when churches are healthy and they flourish, it's, be, it's where truth is being told and truth is being allowed and truth is not suppressed and that helps us not live in fear, which is really important. So again, it, it really is. Fear, fear is what keeps us from each other. And when you think about um, when you've gotten in trouble or you've done something wrong, you've got two options. There are only two. It's either you tell the truth and you face, face the music or you hide and you cover up. And so as a church, as, as Christ followers, you know, we, we have to live in that truth that Jesus says, you know, fear not, I'm with you. I'll be with you no matter what. Even when we screw up, even when we, we hurt each other or we, we fall short and, and we're human, those are going to happen. But we really embody what it means to be a Christ follower when we don't hide and we don't cover up, when we own it and we face the truth. Um, I've been thinking about New City as I've been your interim pastor for a year now and how I've seen this church um, go through the pandemic come out, or come out of the pandemic, open, have a lot of change and wrestle with that change but do that with, um, you know, Jamie and I were talking about this week with transparent leadership. You know, Chris over here is our, is our lead team chair and, and I've seen all of you be honest with each other. I've seen Chris lead transparently of like, this is what's going on. This is our, you know, when we've had choices to make, he called every one of you that are like known members to check in and say, this is, this is what we've got going on a couple different times. So that's been a beautiful benchmark that I know tells us we are on course and we have a leader who says we are going to be transparent and honest and we are going to um, let the body in on decision making. And it's never going to be from a place of, of secrecy or of worry or fear or anything like that. So I, w I was just going to say, like, this is a healthy place. And keep inviting people into a healthy church because we need that more and more in our world. So thank you, Chris, for that. Um, Jesus said to the Jews, you know, we think about, like, how Jesus embodied truth and Jesus embodied something that was totally different than anybody else had seen. He came with authority and he came um, speaking, saying a couple easy things. Love God and love your neighbor. And when you do all those things, you are going to be living the way that God wants you to. He also says in John 8, 31 through 32, he said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, doing the things I tell you to, you are truly my disciples. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You think about that. When we know truth, we are free to live in a place of truth. There's no fear in that. It's very freeing when you don't have fear, that worst F word. The Bible calls us to know the truth, tell the truth, and live in the truth. So you think about this. When we know God and we know his word and we seek that together, we know it. We know it, we know it in, a, in, like in, in French. There's connaître and savoir. savoir. We, we know it um, personally and we know it objectively. We tell it also. We practice by being honest, even when we've messed up. And we live in the truth. It means that we don't live in a way that is um, incongruent. In, in therapy language, incongruent means where it doesn't match up with, like what you say and what you do don't match up. It means we live in a way that practices truth. And that is hard work. It takes a lot of intention. It takes accountability. It means that we don't do it alone. And not only that, but we profess that our truth is the truth. And that is so radical. Paul tells us that God our Savior wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. And that's a quote from Scott McKnight and Laura Berenger from Tove Church. Telling the truth then 
is who we are as Christians. And so what is required then to form a truth-telling culture within a church? And I can tell you, I've been in a couple churches where the truth was not told, and it was, it was terrible, and people got hurt. And, and you think about like what we are called to do. We are called to help people know Jesus and let Jesus change their lives. And so if we aren't living lives that look transformed because of what Jesus has done, we're not able to do that. We are being ineffective. We are spinning our wheels and actually hurting people. And so the discipline of knowing the truth, doing the truth, and surrendering the truth has to happen, as well as resisting what is false or anything that is not truthful. And again, that takes transparency, that takes accountability, that, that takes us actually knowing each other and allowing ourselves to be known. And that is a, that is a radical thing that is going to push against um, fear, that terrible F word again, and, and what, the, what the culture around says, oh, just figure out what works best for you, or you do you, I'll do me. No, and in Christian community, when we live out in truthful ways, it's not I'll do me and you do you. It's not that, that easy, and it doesn't work. So I have a, an image for you from this book. Um, we talked about, first of all, what is a tow church? Is a church, church body that embraces a culture of goodness, and doing that, we nurture empathy. Empathy and compassion which is what Jesus showed us how to live. It's we resist a narcissist culture that's all about me. We nurture grace, and we resist a fear culture. We put people first, which means we resist the creep of institution, and we truly see people as people loved by God and beloved by him, and also as we are the body of Christ. We're not, you know, we're not an institution, although we do have to function in some ways like an institution, unfortunately, to pay the bills and keep the lights on. But really, the, the body is it's the people. Remember, um, I did this, I learned this in Sunday school. Um, here's, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors, here's all the people. You know, we, the people is the body, that is the church. And so we have to keep remembering this of um, that we are a body and that Jesus tells us put people first and then we nurture truth. Oops, truth didn't show up. Sorry. Truth is at the bottom. Trust me, it's there. It just got cut off. <laughs> but we nurture a culture of telling the truth. In John 1, John tells us we have seen the glory of the one, the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Those are the two things that Jesus came to embody, grace and truth. And so he helps us do that with one another. In John 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is what makes Christianity so radical. We don't, we don't say, well, there could be, there could be a truth, and, and that's what we have to push against in our culture is people will say, well, there could be a lot of truths, and all truths lead to God. No, Jesus' radical statement actually says, no, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you're going to come and know God the Father, you're going to know it through me. And it's really interesting, as, as earlier Christ followers, they, they weren't called Christians, they were called followers of the way, because that's who Jesus was. So it is, it's interesting in John 16, as our sister Greta read with us today, a couple things. As Jesus was helping his followers know what it was going to be like to be um, embracing this truth and knowing truth and, and seeing things through Jesus' way, in verse 7, he told his disciples, it's really to your advantage that I go away, which must have been just so hard for Jesus to say because he knew it was going to hurt, but also for the disciples to hear. 
But he said, if I don't go away, the counselor, the paraclete, it's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. And when he comes, he will convince the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. It means there's going to be um, an awareness from the Holy Spirit coming that was going to help us know, okay, where's, where is the truth about our sin, about God's goodness, and about judgment? And then verse 13, he says, When the Spirit of truth comes, again, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So just think about this. We will... We will um, we will have the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. When you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is a shift and a change and it's because you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then through the Holy Spirit, we are guided into truth. And that's a beautiful benchmark because before we come to know Christ, the things that we think are true and not true are going to be different after Jesus. There's before Jesus and after Jesus when it comes down to truth. He will guide you into all truth. And that, that authority is, comes from the triune God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're also going to know other things that are to come. Um, Scott McKnight and Laura Behringer talk about how as we are guided into truth and we are aware of truth, that we look back at Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. So I found this um, picture, this, some old picture, I don't know where it was, but I found it on the internet. You can find a lot there. And this picture shows um, a group of um, Jewish males gathered together on the Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement was a day once a year where the people of God came together and they told the truth. Um, he talks about when, when we have a Yom Kippur um, attitude in our churches, it means that we will also have rhythms in place, just like Yom Kippur was one day a year where the Jewish people would gather together and they would tell the truth about who they were. It was a day of, of um, acknowledging their sin. It was a day of repentance. It was a day of confession. It was a day the community got together and said, yep, we have all missed the mark collectively together. We have, all, we have all screwed up and we all need God and we all need his forgiveness. And so when we live in a place of, of Yom Kippur mindset of a, a atonement needing forgiveness, we will have rhythm, rhythms in place where confession, repentance, and reconciliation will already be happening. We will, have, we will have intentional times where we acknowledge our sin, our need for Jesus, that we have, we've been going the wrong way and we've got to turn around. And we will also know, know how to forgive and, and make up and repair and reconcile to one another. So examples, and, and I got excited about this because um, a, lot of, a lot of churches, um, some more, more so that are not, uh, even a lot of evangelicals do not observe Lent. I've, I've noticed that. But in churches that have this mindset, it means that you're going to take, take intentional times throughout the year to observe um, where you need God, where you need forgiveness. And so Lent is a great time. It's 40 days of reflection before Easter where it's, it's preparing yourself for Easter and recognizing um, our need for Jesus, our, our propensity to sin and to hurt each other. And so it's a moment of getting ready and, and looking, looking at ourselves and um, allowing God to do change. We did this this past year. We talked about during Lent, what are the things that are keeping us from Jesus? And we leaned into those things that were hard and could get in the way. Um, we incorporate a time of confession in corporate worship. And I remember that was one of the things that caught me about New City when I came on board here last year was every Sunday, there's an um, intentional moment of confession and forgiveness that we take together 
to be reminded of our need for forgiveness, but then to be reminded you are forgiven in Christ. And we do that. We make space for conversations where communication and understanding is prioritized and misunderstanding hurts or wrongs can be addressed. And I've seen this happen in real life. And so this is a healthy church, a church that allows for truth even when it's hard. And we do this through a commitment to confession, repentance, sacrifice, purification, and forgiveness, just like at the center of Yom Kippur. Since the time of Jesus' resurrection then, we live this out through confessing our sins to one another. In the book of James, it says, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, that you can be healed. We live in transparency and vulnerability. It doesn't mean that like one of us is the, is the priest, I'm the priest, and you have to come to tell me, and then Jesus will forgive you. No, but it also means that you're keeping each other accountable. You're being transparent and vulnerable, which is hard, but in a truth-telling church, we do that. We name, admit, and describe what we've done. We, be re- we are reconciled to God and one another. And we live in the reality of costly grace rather than cheap grace. We, we live in the reality of how much it costs Jesus to forgive us and save us. But we live in that reality because we don't live in fear and we live set free as people of God. Um, I just want you to be thinking about those things that are, are true about God and you, and then how all that flows out into how we live intentionally with one another. Um, this morning, we, we, um, we celebrate communion. We celebrate communion the first, the first Sunday of every month. And it's important when we think about how we understand truth through the Holy Spirit, where Jesus said he would guide us in all truth. The Covenant Church has seven affirmations that include a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. As we depend on the Holy Spirit, we seek God's through the Spirit together, in agreement with his word, we will be rooted in truth, and we will follow the triune God, and not our own whims or our own truth. Um, the Apostle Paul, before he, um, before he died, he reminded everybody about what was true. And he says in 1 Corinthians 15, For I received from the Lord what I passed unto you. He experienced God's truth in Christ, which changed his life. And he said, on the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He said, in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Um, So this morning, we are going to celebrate communion Um, In the Covenant Church, we have open communion, which means that if Jesus is your Lord and your Savior and you have asked forgiveness for your sins and given your life to him, you are welcome to receive communion. You don't have to be a member here. Um, But this morning, we're going to do things a little bit different. Um, First of all, I have gluten-free pita bread if you want it with your juice. I figured out that the wafers are not gluten-free, FYI. So... Um, there's, we call these our to-go COVID to-go communion cups still. Um, there's a wafer on top and juice in it. Um, what I'm going to ask you to do is, um, uh, we're going to say, um, a confession passage together, and then I'm going to, um, speak a reminder of forgiveness. Um, we're just going to take a moment as we listen to a song, um, by Sidewalk Prophets after we do that to take our bread and our juice and, to reflect and just be reminded of our need for Jesus, um, his truth in our lives as Lord and Savior, and the 
Savior of this world, and um, just to take a moment to pause and, and reflect and give you space to do that. Um, so let's say this prayer of confession together today. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you for all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all his goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. I invite you also um, to, sh to um, say the Lord's Prayer together in just that reminder of our common faith and um, the common prayer that Jesus called us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So as a reminder, the body of Christ, broken and given for you, the bread of heaven, and the blood of Christ shed for you and for the forgiveness of your sins. Um, you may come up and um, take and eat and then um, just as the song plays when you're ready to take your communion um, together you may do that come up when you're ready <laughs>